You are listening to Processing Trauma Out Loud, conversations about trauma and healing from two women who are doing the work. My name is Jeremiah Jones, and I'm the producer of this podcast. In today's episode, Candace and Cher wrap up their four-part series of how we heal from the painful experiences of self-betrayal. In this final step, they discuss why slowing down is essential when we are breaking free from patterns that bring us pain and feelings of deep shame. Listen in as Candace and Cher offer the hope of healing from years of self-betrayal. Hello there, Cher. Hey, Candace. So good to be with you. It's good to be with you. We've been together for almost an hour now, going through our notes of what we're going to talk about on our last episode of how we end self-betrayal. How do you think it's gone so far? Like, how are you feeling about what we've brought? Yeah, I think it's been really good. Self-betrayal, I think, is something that isn't talked about a lot. I think even when we started talking about it, I wondered, how is self-betrayal showing up? How has it shown up in my life? How is it showing up in my life? I really like the, the points that we have emphasized, and I really like that we have made it practical. Really wanting to give our listeners a sense of, oh, here's a step that I can take and here's something that I can implement to really help people move toward ending self-betrayal, which is just so, so important. So I've really liked, liked this series a lot. Yeah, I like the way you're saying, you know, when we start a series or we're processing a topic, you know, we've said this and, and if you've listened, people know we're not coming as licensed clinicians. We aren't coming as experts in anything that we're talking about, but we are showing up wanting to lock arms with people that are on the journey and maybe a little head that yes, we're practicing these things. We're still doing the work and we still feel the pain sometimes when those patterns are showing up in our lives, but we don't feel helpless anymore. And it's so good. Even as we, as we've been processing here for the last hour, we're talking about the podcast episode for today that we're going to be recording, but then we're talking about our lives and we're talking about real events that are going on right now in our work or in our relationships. The, the truth is like the journey of healing from childhood trauma and complex PTSD is an ongoing journey where in a sense, we don't really arrive and yet we enter this realm more and more where we see, oh, the way I'm responding today is not the way I would have responded, you know, six months ago or a year ago, but we're still very much in it, in, in the ongoing aspects of our lives. And even this morning, as we were talking, I was like, yeah, this is why ending self-betrayal is so important. I'm thinking about Adam Young right now because, you know, we listened to him quite a bit in in the beginning and, and still listen to him today. And he talks about when we start taking our story seriously. And, you know, what I want to say about that is taking our story seriously doesn't mean that our whole lives are consumed with always doing trauma work, always thinking about the trauma, but it is that we have slowed down which we're going to talk about today. And we've taken our stories serious, uh, serious enough yeah. to, to see that there's reasons why we have the particular struggles that we have and that we can do something about yeah. it. 
Yeah, so good. Yeah. And just, I'll just say really quickly that I just moved and we left our home of 27 years and I approached it very intentionally from a perspective of, I want to slow down. I want to make sure that I am being intentional with the practices that I know now help me stay grounded so that my triggers aren't popping up all over the place and where I'm getting dysregulated all over the place. And so as we've gone through this process over the last six weeks, really, I have gone slow. I have maintained my, my morning quiet hours. And just to be able to be at this point of saying like, we made it through really, really well. We, <laughs> we, I, I will say I made it through differently than I would have in the past. And that is why this work is so important. And it's not like I was thinking every minute about my trauma, but I was much more intentional about how do I stay in a place where I feel safe and secure and where I'm able to pass on love to the people who are around me rather than just throwing dysregulated states of being all over the place? What I hear you saying is because you value good, healthy, fulfilling relationships, with not only your spouse, but your children and your grandchildren and your friends, you keep doing this work because you're seeing a difference on how those relationships are becoming more satisfying. Yeah. And just how I show up. If you haven't gotten the clue yet, we are talking about slowing down today, but I want to do a quick recap. This is our fourth episode in a series that we have done on ending self-betrayal. Our first step was to just name and be honest about your current situation and state of mind and heart and body, being able to say, you know what, this isn't going well for me. This isn't working for me. I don't know how to get out of this pain or this situation. So just getting away from hiding, pretending and performing that has historically felt like it's kept us safe, but we haven't been able to heal in that space. Step two is learning about what dysregulation is. So really focusing on our body, specifically, what is dysregulation like for us? Because it's going to be different for each person. And today we are talking about our last step, which is share, why are we talking about slowing down? And I'll just go ahead and ask you, why does going fast, how can that hurt us? I think it's what we kind of already said, but going fast keeps us stuck in self-betrayal. Mm. We will keep going through the same cycles that feel familiar, but really are hurtful to us and the people around us, where we cannot really experience the, the the quality of relationships. We can't, we don't feel loved. It's harder to receive love. It's harder to give love. And we don't feel peace or restful or whatever, because we are just stuck in those same cycles where we may even vow, I will never do that again. And yet guess what happens? There we are again. And then there we are again. So I think that's why going fast hurts us because we, we stay in pain. We just cannot get out of pain if we keep going fast charging mm -hmm. through life and allowing like old messages of shame or our perceptions of 
people or places or things that maybe hurt us once in the past, but we still are holding on to those same perceptions, all of those kind of things. Like we could talk the whole, <laughs> we could talk the whole episode today on why does going fast keep us stuck in self-betrayal? Well, and going fast can, can work for us for a while. I mean, for some people, it just kind of works for them until it no longer works for them. Or <laughs> I don't want to be morbid here, but until they die. And so the, this idea of going fast, whether it's going fast when you get dysregulated from hyper arousal, where you feel panic and fear and you get elevated and you put action to something out of a driven state, or you go fast in how you shut down and disassociate and numb and close the door, go in the bedroom and close the door. Both of those realities for a person is going fast. Mm -hmm. And I will say subconscious. It's, yes, it's not a conscious response at that point. It's just a subconscious. This is the way that I do life. When we intentionally slow down, we're kind of breaking through the walls of that cycle that feel, again, I'll say feel familiar, but are not helpful. Yeah. And when we begin to slow down for me, and I think for you too, I, I won't speak for you. It felt terrifying. Because I didn't know what else to do. How do I maintain a level of safety and quote control if I'm in this vulnerable place of not knowing what to do? And that is why I had to have someone, and you're one of my someones, be with me in that place to bring me back to some really good resources rather than powering up making quick decisions that weren't always good decisions mm -hmm. and, you know, really being led by a state of panic that looked like I just got a lot of shit done. Yeah. And, and I, I, I want to hear you say more about that because we were talking earlier about something that you're pondering, creating and how you would have approached it in the past versus how you feel like you're entering it this time. And just wondering if you would want to share a little bit more about that. Yeah, I can share a little bit more about that. I'm not quite sure how far back I want to go, but I will just say that our patterns, most of our patterns, now you can have trauma later in life and, and it still affects you. But for childhood complex trauma, those patterns originated in childhood. And so for me, it was this, and I've shared stories in the past. My perception as a little girl living in a small town is that there was something very shameful about our family, about me, not because of anything we necessarily did, but because of who we were. And I don't want to say it's not because of stuff we did, but like, you know, having a divorce family back in the seventies, right. Being the only girl that I knew of in my classroom who was going through a divorce. And though that's hard, it doesn't make someone shameful. Early on, I, my body began to hold shame and I began developing patterns of, oh, if I do this, it quiets the shame. 
So it was always high intensity, not always bad things, but as I got older, developed into more self-destructive things. So recently, so I'm, I'm coming out of that, the pressure I had on me to prove that I was good or to prove that I wasn't what I thought everybody perceived me to be. That stayed with me until recently and still shows up. But now since I slowed down, I'm able to catch it. I've created and put a lot of things out there over the years. And I will say they've been good things. I've had true heart intent to want to help people, but it has been connected to this drivenness coming from the voice of shame that I have to create something to prove that I'm okay and I'm valuable. And even though I've done all these things, you know, here's this one thing that proves I'm not as bad as you think I am. Mm. So I was in a familiar situation. I've had something going on in my heart for quite a while now. I've seen some fruit in my own life. I'm seeing some good things happen for some of my clients. Some of it's hard because we can't control the other person, but I've had this desire to help create content in some way that can help adult children move towards repair with their parents and also for their parents to know how to hold that space for their adult children when there has been child complex trauma. So this is familiar. Here's Candace thinking, dreaming, wanting to create something. And I was on a call with someone that wanted to help me do that. And I mean, they had all the things that could help me do it perfectly. And I noticed during this call, I was slowing down internally saying, just because this is good and just because they could help me, I noticed that it was not being connected to needing to prove anything. Mm. It was connected to my good and genuine desire to create something that could help people. And so I've slowed down and I actually don't even know if I'm going to do it. In the past, I would have said, honey, I need so much money because I'm creating this thing. Come hell or high water, we will make it work. And obviously that hasn't been, you know, the best thing for my marriage either. I, I really love that. I love so much about it because you are creative and you do produce and, and accomplish. But I really love your awareness of how shame has really driven that and the fear of being shamed. And, you know, and the fact is that you have been shamed. And so that's real. And I think for, for a lot of us, that is real. Like shame has a very loud voice that motivates us because with shame comes tremendous and horrible levels of pain. Mm -hmm. And so if we can do something to numb that pain, we'll go there because it's unbearable. You said something as I was sharing about public shame and my response to you, we both quit talking. Yeah. And we both got emotional. And yeah. one, I just want to say thank you for being with me in that. I, I saw you be with me in it, but I identified that public has shame has driven me to want public redemption. 
And we both just, I mean, I've got tears in my eyes now because I know that that route is a very hurtful and harmful route for me. Yeah. Because it will not happen in the way that I think it needs to happen. Yeah. And instead it ends up just creating more self-betrayal because Mm -hmm. then we put ourselves out there in ways that aren't our highest self. And so I love just the, the slowing down and the be and being willing to say like, if this is meant to be, I can do it slowly where I am more grounded, where Mm -hmm. I am implementing my resources, whether that's just breathing or writing or talking or taking a few steps and evaluating whatever it may be, but doing it in a way where you're able to recognize that the things that used to drive you as your way of life are not the things that are driving you right now. Or that if it is showing up, I want to say that I felt it in that call Yeah, and I was able to slow down. So So good. And I, I want to just ask, some of our listeners might be saying, okay, this all sounds really good, but my body just goes there. I get ramped up. I get anxious. I'm moving a hundred miles an hour. Everybody expects it of me or the hypo arousal person that just says, I just automatically shut down and there I am. And everybody else can be doing their thing. And I'm, I'm you know, so my question is, And I want to speak in practical terms here for our last few minutes, but how do we slow down? If a person is recognizing I'm going fast, I am driven by shame. I'm driven by my childhood pain. How Mm -hmm. do I make that change? How do I slow down? What are a couple of things that you would offer, Candice? I would first say that, that that's really hard to recognize on your own. So I did not recognize the degree that I was in hyper arousal until I had a face in front of me Mm. that didn't shame or condemn or judge, was very kind, very compassionate, but mirrored to me that they saw my pain Mm. and they just asked really good, kind questions. Mm. Like that, that was the first thing for me was I, I, I couldn't do that on my own. And I had to have someone help me find the truer story. Yeah. That's one thing, you know, and I, I want to say, you know, when you're in this work, you, you also begin to recognize that the pressure that we have from either going into hyper arousal or hypo arousal. Okay. The pressure that we feel in those moments does come from the pressure that that little boy or girl felt growing up when they had to try to figure out how to be safe, how to make somebody else happy. It's horrific. Yeah. And we get it. And we want to say that we won't get out of that if someone's judging us. We need people who can help us come to the truth. But that's different than being in spaces where people are condemning you for your coping behaviors. I don't know if I really answered that question specifically, but I want to say something that you've specifically helped me do is I turn towards that younger place in me that is driving me first feeling compassion, like, oh yeah, this is that young wounded place. 
my inner child, my little, however you want to say it, that is for whatever reason needs care, needs attention. So we can take the steering wheel back from, from that child. And then bringing care and attention. I should say that I should say the throttle. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Correct. Yeah. So good. Yeah. I think one other really practical thing, and I know we've mentioned this before, but I want to say it again, and that is journaling. And if you're not a writer, maybe it's taking long walks and pondering or taking a hot bath and pondering, right? It's, it's that space. Where is the space where you can ponder? Mm, Pondering is all about slowing down. It's about what are the thoughts that are coming and what do I think about those thoughts and what prompted those thoughts? And as we can slow down and ponder, that for me has just been so important. You're saying the word pondering, but for some reason, this image popped in my mind of if you order a piece of real high quality, good steak, we may have to throw this out, but we'll see if we leave it in. (laughs) It's just coming to me right now, but what does it look like to slow down and savor? Mm -hmm. And so I know pondering it's, it's, it's almost like, even though it feels uncomfortable, you're savoring that there's something, something of substance to the story behind this. And it can be and, good. Well, it's it's good. But even if that story is full of pain, as you mm-hmm. and I were talking and this topic came up of public shame and we both just got quiet for a little while. And I felt like that was a moment of savoring. Both of us internally together were there in that space of remembering and recognizing the power that that has been there in our lives because of those experiences. And because we savored that for just a minute, I, I feel like I'm going to be spending a little more time there today and maybe in the coming days. So, so savoring, yes, it, it, it allows us to go to those places where our perceptions have been established for a long time. I will just say, you know, I've, I've had church harm in my past. And so church has been very hard for me for the past many years. For the most part, my body has not been in a church for a, for a long time regularly. And that when I am there, I really struggle. I, sometimes I find myself, it's hard to breathe. And yet I, I've been just feeling again a little bit like what would it be like to re-enter that space and Gary my husband and I have been talking about that and it's kind of like we're savoring this topic a little bit where there is a lot of pain and yet there also is so much in my life and in my history there has been so much goodness too it's a hard topic and it needs time and it needs going slow and just doing some of that savoring of where's some of the goodness there and and you know when you eat a good steak you also there are those little scraps that you cut off and and throw (laughs) off to the side of your plate right and but you don't want to miss the goodness because of the stuff that has to be set aside first of all Thank you for naming that. I do believe that we will end up doing some episodes specifically on this. We we are taking it slow, right? Yeah. We are taking this so slow because it is so important to us. Yeah. I just want to say, I see your pain in that. And I also see your courage to say, I don't want to throw out all the steak, but yeah. I need some things to be cut away for me to feel safe again. 
Yeah. So good, Cher. And so good to be with you today. You know, we're talking about ending self-betrayal. Yeah. And it is vast and wide yeah. in how that looks. So we don't want to make this sound easy necessarily. We just want it to be important that there's a reason why we can slow down and be curious about the ways that we are betraying who we were created to be and who want to be, but keep bumping up into the pain of our past. An important topic for sure. I just hold hope for our listeners. I, I just wanted to say a word that just come and enter this space. It's so worthy. And if you are experiencing those repeated cycles of pain, it's not easy. It's not an easy journey, but it's a worthy journey. And it's a journey that can bring so much goodness. And I just invite, I just invite our listeners to take another step in. So good to be with you. And I just so thankful for you and wish I could give you a big hug right now. That's yeah. one thing that we have to contend with when we don't live in the same community, but just yeah. love you so much, friend. Yep. I love you too, Candice. Thank you for listening to Processing Trauma Out Loud. Make sure to check out the show notes for links to suggested resources and social media. Like, subscribe, and follow to keep up with our weekly content. And if you don't mind, take a moment to rate and review us. Your feedback is extremely valuable and contributes to the success of this podcast. One last thing, if you have found this podcast helpful in any way, or if you have questions on how to take the next steps on your healing journey, please reach out to us via email at CandiceShare at gmail.com. That's K-A-N-D-A-C-E-S-H-E-R at gmail.com. Music was created by Caleb Paxton, and our sound engineer is Jeremiah Jones of Audit Story, LLC. We welcome you to join us for more conversations soon. Take care.